Welcome to Wired for Impact, home of creators, entrepreneurs, and leaders who are wired to make a difference. If you're here, it's because you have three things. Number one, a unique gift or calling. Number two, you care about people. And number three, you have a deep desire to contribute. When you add those three things up, you are in the game of creating impact. You are what I call an impact player. My name is Peter King. I'm the host of the program. And in each episode, I have conversations with world-class impact players who have aligned their unique gifts with the contribution they've made in the world to create massive impact. So listen into these conversations and allow them to inspire you to overcome the obstacles in your way and to fulfill your potential. All right, I'm here with Josh Wiesler. Josh, how you doing, brother? Doing well, doing well, sir. Fantastic. Josh uh, is a relative recent new friend of mine that we've gotten. How did we get synced up? I'm trying to remember. I reached out to you. I saw you. Um, I saw you on a video a while back, but I had seen you were going through the uh, Dr. Dispenza um, week long process or whatever that is. And I had started. That's right. Yeah, I'd started getting getting into Dispenza and especially like the quantum mechanics and quantum physics type realm. And one of the things I really when I started getting into it, I kind of felt like I was almost crazy when I talked to certain people um, just because of how broadening it can make your mind. And I reached out to you saying, hey, I know this stuff kind of can seem weird, kind of feel weird. If you want somebody to talk to and shoot ideas off of, (laughs) I'm here like I get it. So and it was sure enough, we kind of just got went out to i think we went out to lunch or something and just kind of it snowballed from there so yeah you know it's funny because it's part of the reason why i named the podcast wired for impact because i find that um to me sort of what that means is the there's there's few of us out there percentage wise that are weird enough to you know take on these different concepts and and pushing the peripheral of of consciousness and spirituality and um energy and all this stuff and st louis by and large, it's not like I don't run into many people here that are into that same kind of stuff. So I feel a little bit weird. I feel a little bit like out of touch. You go to yeah. California, L.A. or the coast and, and people tend to be more into that stuff. But, um, yeah, it was nice that you reached out and, and we've gotten to know each other a little bit since then. You are a full time real estate investor. Yes. Yep. Um, is that sort of the is there other stuff that you do that I don't know of just yet? Or is that sort of the. That's a great segue question for me to just tell everything about me, right? No, (laughs) like you've done this once or twice. Um, Yeah, man, I'm a real estate investor. I I have also consulted and coached other real estate investors. Like I've been doing real estate in one way, shape or form for on and off for like 17 years. Um, But as of right now, I'm doing mostly wholesaling. And actually, we're starting to coach other investors and starting to bring them on to our brand. And so um, I in the past was running a consulting company and doing real estate investing. And then my, my partner helped me shift it into, Hey, let's bring the coaching in house and focus on building a team and people and a system and we can do it all in house. And it just, it made a lot of sense. So that's what we're currently working to build out. And, um, I'm also speaking at an engagement. Um, we have a speaking engagement. I'll give, you know, all that information I'm sure here shortly, but in November in St. Louis as well around the subject that we're talking about. So, um, I'm just really kind of going through the process and enjoying life as it comes and seeing where it kind of leads me. So that's, uh, that's my main purpose as of right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> so I, although you and I have, um, a lot of overlap in the real estate investing world and we could probably have a number of calls just on that, the intention and the focus that I want to bring us to is going to be less about real estate. Although it might be interesting to see how it's affecting, uh, your entrepreneurial journey, um, and, and finances and that sort of thing. But more interestingly, at least for this particular call, I want to focus in on what you and I were talking about at your, at lunch, the other day and with your shoulder and what you've learned going through this injury and recovery and how that's affected your business, your relationships, your life, and how you're looking at everything. So let's, let's give the audience a little bit of a backstory on what happened with your shoulder and, and take it from there. Okay. So as you guys might be able to see, I've got a sling on, got my, I had my rotator cuff operated on, on, uh, August 4th, um, just, just at a month ago as we're recording this on, you know, the second. So it was a month ago. Um, I actually injured it probably 
February or March. Um, first day playing basketball, was trying to get back out there. And, you know, I'm going to turn 40 in, in April, so trying to reclaim my youth again, get get healthier. Um, and somebody just, I went to block and caught me right under the elbow, felt a pop and, you know, shook it off like, you know, guys so often do of, well, well, I can live with it. It's going to be all right. And after a couple of weeks, it just wasn't, wasn't feeling better. I kept tweaking it. And, uh, and so I went to the doctor and the doctor, uh, the doctor took a look at it and said, Hey, we probably need to get an MRI on it. And at that point, the question that came up is like, okay, well, if I need an MRI, how likely is it that it's going to need? He's like, well, MRIs are more like just confirmation as opposed to really telling you. So if you're at that point, you probably are going to need to, you know, it might be a tear and tears you have to have surgery for. And so it was one of those, I went through the process and for me, I had a conversation. Um, it ended up coming back and and I went to the MRI, was waiting for those those results to come back in. And this is one of the things I was sharing with you is I was sitting in the doctor's office looking out the window. And one of the things we talk about in quantum mechanics and quantum physics is that like in this universe, all possibilities really are available until they're kind of observed and decided, right? And I was having almost a flood of just the experience of how this potentially could go, whether it came back and I needed to have surgery, whether the information came back and I just needed to have some shots, like whatever the, whatever the training protocol or whatever the the healing protocol was after that, my mind was trying to play all those out and kind of navigate how I was going to show up in each of those. And what came to me is like, okay, regardless of the actual experience of what happens, what do I get to control now? Because I don't know if you've ever felt it, but for me, I kind of equated to that spiral of having a panic attack almost. It was, okay, this is going to be bad. It's going to be real bad. How bad? Like, and then your mind starts playing tricks. And I was able, and I've been doing this work for going on eight years now. I was able to catch that through those moments. Meditations really helped, but it was one of those. I caught myself in those thoughts and said, okay, what can I control? And what I realized the only thing that I could control in that moment was how I was going to show up through this entire process, regardless of what that was. And I made a commitment at that point, And I said, I don't know how this is going to work, but this is going to be one of the greatest, greatest things in my life. Like this experience, how I show up for it, like the learnings, the lessons, there's a reason me having my shoulder, if that's what comes out, whatever it ends up being, it's going to be for the best. If it just ends up being like small rehab and no big surgery, fantastic, whatever it is. So that was kind of the, the decision I made in that moment, I had that choice. And at that moment, when I made that choice, all the anxiety disappeared, all of those like trying to plan out how it was going to come disappeared. I just got to be kind of present with the moment. And the doctor came back in and the first thing he I said, Hey, good news, right? And he goes, No. <laughs> and I was like, Okay, doctor, I appreciate that honesty. And he's, his bedside manner is very, it's like, Hey, this is the news. Now let's work through what you need to work through so you can handle this the way you need to handle it, which I greatly appreciated. And so came back, we need to have surgery. Um, and it was one of those, this surgery, apparently I wasn't aware of. It is a very extensive length rehab, going to be probably about six months. And what he said is like, people will put it off for years, even not have it because of that. And it was like, well, no, it's definitely going to happen. Um, just a matter of when. So we decided to have it after our family vacation. And um, I started having some conversations with some people that either like I knew they've had shoulder issues in the past or like my coaches, my support that I have in, in my life to kind of help me navigate what's been, what was coming up, you know, had a conversation with you as well after the surgery. And one of my coaches, um, love him to death. He is very big on like our body. Um, also during this recovery process, I've had time to watch some documentaries. Our, our bodies hold, um, emotions and, and a lot of our energy is used to suppress those emotions or not, not acknowledge them or in many times we find a coping mechanism to deal with them, whether it's food, sex, drug, all of that. Um, and so I was talking with my coach and he's very, he was very big on like the bot, how the body holds the energy and where it originates. And for me, one of the things that he said is your shoulder is a representation of where you hold burden, right? The weight of the world is on our shoulders is how we normally show up. And he said something to me before I had the surgery. He said, you know, if it is really burden, and of course you're going to be the only one that like knows that because you've done the work. He said, 
if you don't heal that, you're just going to blow your shoulder out again, or it's not going to heal right, or you're going to, you're not going to show up how you want to. And that kind of stuck with me in the back of my head is like, okay, this is a possibility. Like I feel that I felt it. I knew it had some truth to it, but I didn't know how it was going to show up for me in this process. And so went through the surgery that was still in the back of my head and went through the week of like, had a very bad allergic reaction, like it swelled up my entire bicep, had ran into that, um, but handled it, like made it through it, was on the tail end, stopped taking the pain meds. And the day after I took the pain meds, like the fog started clearing out. So I was more conscious, um, realized some things in my business, like I was having conversations, closing deals, like a couple days after the surgery, realizing that's not really how I wanted to operate. And one of the big, big things that came up for me was that that conversation I had the day after I got off the pills, I was asking my kids um, to do something, love them to death. And they're, they're preteens though. So like what ended up coming up wasn't a matter of, oh yeah, let me help you, Josh. My stepkids was, it was, no, I helped him three times yesterday. You helped him twice. So you have to help him today. And what came up for me was just an immense feeling of being triggered. Like I got triggered heavily to the point, you know, and normally in the past it would have been, you know, yelling or whatever that was, but it was like, okay, you guys stay there. I'm not going to need your help right now. I'll figure out how this works. But then I had to be with that feeling that came up and that feeling that came up was, oh my God, I feel like I'm a burden. Like just simply asking for help for my family had me feeling like a burden. And it felt so like deep that the other thing that was showing up for me that I never really had in my life or other people in my circle were showing up wanting to help me, like just asking to support me in a way that I'd never been used to before. So like I had all this support coming in and I realized I don't even know what to ask for from these people. Like I know I have things that I can't do I'm, and I don't even know how to ask for to support. And then when I do from the people I know like are here to help me and they're like, no, you're a burden. We helped you yesterday. It all came together and just like I had a cathartic release. It was like one of those uncontrollable, you don't know wh- how, why it's been hidden and you don't know where it's come from, but like just tears streaming down my face, ugly crying about feeling like I was uh, not just being a burden to other people, but like I had to compensate for that feeling of being a burden by taking on everything else. Mm -hmm. So I was not only, not only embodying the burden, I was then projecting it outward, which this has also helped me understand. It's what we do on a daily basis. Like the other thing that came up for me in my business with my business partner, and we talked about instead of having me having two separate businesses, I'm trying to run concurrently and probably doing, doing well at each. I wasn't doing either great. So the conversation with that was around abandonment. Like, am I already looking to abandon one revenue stream that I know and I'm really good at and I'm working to do one that I think has a better value for the world? And it's like, am I really am I really honoring either one by doing that or am I abandoning? And what came up is like, no, I'm abandoning because I abandon because if I feel that my value isn't being honored, that they abandon me. And so like... It is a mirror. What's come up for me with the shoulder is like I've been focusing and putting the energy on honoring the shoulder and rehabbing and doing the rehabilitation and and spending that energy that I haven't been able to suppress the emotions that are coming up. I haven't been able to to effectively avoid them or fight them or like not give them the, the credit that they deserve. And so they're coming through and coming out of my body. And it's actually helped me feel lighter. It's actually helped me be more aware of my body and how I want to feel. And it's helped me in my relationships and my conversations because now I have something like an actual human experience that I can filter this through of, hey, is burden showing up in your life this way? Is abandonment showing up in your life this way? Because now I've experienced it and I've let it go um, and I can help other people in that that they may not know they're they're dealing with. And so it's been a great experience. Like that's kind of the short and condensed version, but like it's been so impactful. Like even since we met or uh, met the other day, I was, I was feeling like I was on top of the world, right? I know you probably could feel it. I yeah. was, I was on fire, you know, Aries on fire, like passionate. And then this weekend hit and I had a chance to kind of slow down. I was going nonstop for 10 days with the shoulder 
not realizing that the stuff I did up until I started getting back into the office was really what was allowing me to function that way. Like Mm. my rotation of Tylenol and ibuprofen, sleeping, sitting up with like pillows around me, almost like a pillow fort. And then like making sure I rest and making sure like if my mind told me to stop working, I stopped working, right? Or my body actually told me. And what I realized over the weekend, I hadn't been doing that like for the past week and it hit me and my, my rehab, I'm in, I'm in a rehab passive motion machine for three hours a day. Like that's a part-time job as well. And I'm bringing all these things on, not realizing, okay, so large, fast expansion is good. It shows you what you're capable of. And this is where we kind of talked about that transition, the rite of passage. It shows you what you're capable of. And then it shows you where you over, over expanded. And now you kind of have to go back and re-honor yourself and what can you integrate at the same time and take care of yourself and so now I'm going through the phase of okay I put started putting things back into place that I knew was working for me and my shoulder has stopped hurting like Sunday I wasn't even able to finish my rehab I felt like I actually I the other mind trick if you haven't had surgery before it plays a mind trick on you because you don't know how your body's supposed to feel going through it so sunday i felt like my i I damaged my shoulder like it was coming coming loose from my body and it was like is that really damage or am i just really sore and i've never been this sore before and it will heal Mm -hmm. so i took it easy started putting those things back into place and sure enough monday morning it felt okay again it felt like it had rested. It wasn't angry at me anymore. And it it literally is my body just telling me, Hey, like you're overextending yourself. You're pushing yourself. You're not taking care of yourself the way you were doing. So like this, this for me, I knew it was going to be an amazing experience. And that's the, the theme of anytime something comes up really like painful, really like a possible detriment in the business, like anything that comes up that is holding because I made that decision back before this even happened that that's how this was going to be. So now my mind and my path and my energy is all about there's a way that that is true and maybe I'm just not seeing the angle. What's the Mm -hmm. benefit? What do I need to put into place for this to be the right way? Like what do I need to learn here? So it's a very – it's a more inquisitive. It's a very much more curious approach to life as opposed to – and I know you've done this as well – all the stories that we make around what's happening. Like it's very easy when you're in pain to go, this is the worst thing in my life. It's never going to end and and start going down that path. And Mm -hmm. eight, nine years ago, I would have done that. So it's – different animal but that for me it really ties into one of the things that i like you know art conversations about is that quantum mechanics piece the all possibilities are available at all times it's a matter of which one are we going to observe which for me is which one do we put our energy into which one do we decide we want and then work all the fear and doubt out like for me for this to be the best experience of my life when the bad stuff comes up that's where my work is it's not when it feels all hunky-dory and like hey, life's going well. That's not, that's not how we grow. And that's what, that's the other piece we were talking about the other day at lunch is like the rites of passage, the active. And what I've said, you know, in history class, it always amazed me and really stuck with me is in human evolution, we have always had a barrier to overcome. It was either the, the seas, the oceans, it was transversing the deserts, going through the wilderness, the wild west. You know, now we're the only two that are really physically out there that haven't been, you know, overcome have been space and the oceans, right? And so not a lot of people have the ability to take that on. So the other, for me, the only other real avenue is your internal journey, the hero's yeah. journey of the inside of becoming somebody more emotionally capable, more mature, um, somebody that, like, I got triggered for the first time Tuesday. Like, it literally, I hadn't been triggered. And that's what I love is I don't remember the last time I got triggered, but I remember I used to get triggered all the time. Like, What, what, I, what was the trigger this last Tuesday? It was about an old business partner. Something came up um, around how they were seen knowing that that's not necessarily how the truth was. And so for me, what came up was inauthenticity. And when it got triggered, that's like, Oh, this is working for me. What is in me that hasn't been either healed or let go, or I'm still holding resentment about it had nothing to do with the conversation. It had nothing to do with the person that mentioned it or the old business partner, but it came up of like, Ooh, there's still something there, but being able to even see that, like we have to build that muscle 
And that for me is a lot of what we're experiencing in the world is people don't like dealing with that. People, it's not that people are hypocritical. It's that, and this is part of the conversation we had on Tuesday at this meeting um, I have is, is that choice for radical ownership in our lives. Like it's a, it's, it has to be a choice. Like it's self-diagnosis. Like I went through the 12 steps and nobody goes into the 12 steps because like their friend told them they're an alcoholic. No, it's self-diagnosis. It's the same way with owning your life and, and really shifting from being at the mercy of the world and life and the universe into working with the universe. It doesn't mean it's always going to be pretty and it doesn't mean it's always going to be enjoyed, but it'll always be worth it at the end for me because it gives me the, f- the belief of working in conjunction with something greater than myself and working together to have impact on people. Like, why wouldn't I lean into that belief system? hundred percent. Right? Yeah. And so uh, th- this this is why I wanted you to have a call, why I wanted to record a call with you, because so many people are dealing with things that are seemingly insurmountable, um, uncomfortable, uh, scary, difficult, etc. cetera. Uh, and you're going, th- what you did with your shoulder, I believe are a set of principles that could be applied towards anything that causes anxiety, stress, um, fear, et cetera. And so the first thing that you did just to start to recap here is you set the intention. You decided immediately first on, this is going to be a great experience. I don't know how, I don't know. I don't even know exactly what I'm dealing with yet, but all I know is that I'm going to set the intention that this is going to be an amazing experience. Why? Because you did what, what I call in my household is you didn't get serious. You got curious. Like, I don't know how this is going to show up. What, what do I need to learn in this situation? Um, and I love the humility that that uh, inspires because you weren't blaming, you weren't in victim mode. You, you simply were looking at what do I, what healing do I need to have in order to become a fuller version of my truer self? If you believe, I, like I think we do, where we are, you know, spiritual beings having a human experience. Yeah. And and we're shedding off of the, you know, the the impurities, if you will, to expand more into our actual essence. Yeah, definitely. And that's and that's a like how I how I relay it is we don't we only have two fears. We're only born with two fears. It's the fear of loud noises and the fear of falling. Everything else is learned. Everything else is programmed in us through our birth, through our childhood, through like I had a near death experience at the age of 10, like school being bullied, like we all get programmed up until a point where we either it gets painful enough where we and this is kind of what I was talking about with in sitting in the doctor's office, like surrender and faith, like it's the acknowledging, hey, what I've been doing and what we've been doing up until that point is all coping mechanisms. We're all just trying to survive and like feel like we are not like we have a purpose here and it's not just some trivial thing that we're all just kind of like waiting until the the lights get shut off at the end of the day and we get to go home like that doesn't feel powerful helpless hopeless and powerlessness is the three things that they talk about when you grow up in an alcoholic household which i did um and when you feel those then it's very easy to like say hey this happened to me as opposed to what is this helping show me Um, and it, it, believe me, it is not like that. And having that mindset, it does take practice. And we talk about neuroplasticity, like you can reprogram your brain. It doesn't mean it happens overnight. It doesn't mean that it happens like as quick as some of us want, but it does happen. And so like getting to that point where I could even set that intention took years for me of like stumbling through meditation, stumbling through, like I didn't start out with the belief that I had the ability to determine how I showed up anywhere. I had to look for small bits of evidence. And that's what I talk with my clients about is we're going, if we're making a transition and I pull out my, my sleeve for a second, if we're going through a transition from like, I'm here and I want to be this person over here, we have to start looking for proof of this existence over here in small instances. And for me, that small is like, Hey, I had this meeting per a good example is, Hey, I had this meeting. I didn't feel great. Um, this morning about showing up for it. I don't know if I'm really, really in a space to make it. If the universe tells me it's not meant to be, it'll get rescheduled. If not, I'll show up and I'll show up as powerfully as I can. That's faith in knowing that the universe is working with me. Guess what? It got pushed back till three after this call. (laughs) I'm going to do a zoom. Mm -hmm. That works much better for me. And I didn't have to force it. I didn't have to, but like it's looking for proof 
as opposed to looking for proof the other way. And that's yep. a that you have to build too. Like I'm looking for proof that I have power with the universe as opposed to I'm at the mercy of the universe, right? Yep. It really is thought directed. And if your thoughts are, I'm uh, always late or I'm a burden or whatever the limiting belief is, your brain is going to pick up on evidence to support and verify that, which from the quantum realm creates uh, chemicals in your body that makes you feel a certain way, whether it's stress or discomfort or unease or frustration. And those chemicals and emotions then reinforce those thoughts. These are things that I've pulled out of the Joe Dispenza world. Um, and, and he's very, very big on, uh, if I were to boil down everything I've learned into one simple methodology, it's what, what emotion are you looking to experience? So you talked about a point A and point B, right? You're at point A right now. You're trying to get to point B. What emotion are you looking to experience? What is emotion? Emotion is energy. That's why we call it quantum. It's energy. So if, if what emotion is it that you're looking to experience and then what is the specific outcome like in detail that you're looking to uh, experience in thought and as, as you begin to elevate your emotions and you have that target in your head of the thought, you attract that to you. It's a complete antithesis to how normally we've gone about trying to achieve things. It's fascinating. Yeah, the uh, done that exactly with your shoulder. Uh, yeah, the old physical, um, the old physical experience of you know, if I put more hours in, I get more results, and then if I if I work harder, you know, and Dispenza is real big on talking about like that's third dimension like work, and while it will will have an impact, and you have to bring it through this world in order to really experience it and put it through your 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 um, your experience yourself, it doesn't have the big shifts of like releasing those emotions from your body. It can be triggered by that as I talked about with my kids, but it's not where like the quantum and I love the word quantum leave because I know that movie, but, uh, or that show, but that's where like the big healing happens for me. That's where it's all energy work. Like having a big cathartic release, like I can feel the heaviness that it was in my body holding. Like it's a weight that feels like it's lifted. And I don't get that from like having a great interact transactional interaction. Now I'm starting to get that experience from building relationships and, and starting to have longer, longer term relationships. And I real, you know, that was another part that was released that, you know, outside of just the work and building a business, it helped me understand like, why did I only have relationships that lasted like three to five years? And why, why do I like seem to like get bored at the three year mark? Like, so all of these things, you know, these are where people talk about like, why, why does she, why did she go and date like jerks time after time? Like, why are you, you don't realize that you're doing it. You're doing the same thing over and over again, because it's all been in your face. You can't see the blind spots that are working in your subconscious. And that's where the quantum stuff starts coming into play. Cause for me, what, how I kind of equate it, you talked about, you know, dispenses about the higher level emotions and the thought and he equates it to being an electromagnet and the thought is the electricity. The emotions are literally energy and motion. So that's what brings it to you and removing the fear and the doubt of having that vision is what brings it to you quicker. And another level that I'm now realizing and understanding in this is the part of if it is measured or observed is when it really starts to take place. And Kerwin Ray, um, he talked about it, that he mentioned a word that I hadn't heard in regards to the quantum, like activation is what we're really talking about. He used the word, the environment is looking at it. And for me, that hit. And what I understood um, through going through Landmark, they talk about your ability to enroll people. And I always struggled with that word enrolling. And basically all we're doing is if I'm passionate enough and I have a high enough energy and I have a crystal clear thought and vision, I get to paint that. And I get to paint that with such vividness that I get other people to buy, buy in. And when I get other people to buy in, they are now part of that environment that is also buying into that collective vision that is also buying into that collective energy. And now we have multiple people. And this is where we really start to see progress happen. This is where we really start to see shifts in businesses. We start to see shifts in people. We start to see shifts in community. But it takes somebody with a clear vision and being able to hold that energy 
And if you look at the power versus force scale, I don't know if you've read that book, but he goes through the consciousness levels of it. And, you know, shame, fear, guilt are all at the bottom. When you get into love and joy and the higher level emotions that Dispenza talks about, like you get to hold that energy, you get to hold that energy for other people and it starts dissipating the fear and the shame and the doubt. And it gives people for a lack of better all intents and purposes, hope, faith, right? But it's got to be done for me. It's got to be done in a way of like radical ownership of like, I'm not going to blame anybody for anything if it's something that is internally going on, but you've got to be honest enough with yourself to really understand, are you coming from a coping mechanism or is this true neutrality and you're making a choice that like you genuinely don't want to do or do want to do and you're enthusiastic or are you being, you know, manipulated by an old subconscious routine that you're not even aware of? And it, it's, it's a path. It for me, it's very, it's very empowering, but can also be very daunting. It can. This is what I love about the Joe Dispenza world because a lot of this stuff prior to me experiencing what I've what I've experienced in his world would have sounded wishful thinking, hopeful fate, you know, and, it, and uh, like a lot of people watch the movie, the secret. And, and right. it's been a long time since I've seen that movie, but, uh, it's my understanding that there's fu- some fundamentals in there that some people apply and they do get results with, but other people look at it and it just goes, I can't just sit around thinking about a new car and I'm going to get a great new car. Like there needs to right. be more than that. And, and what Joe Dispenza has done is he's filled in some of those blanks as to what is, what is actually happening on a quantum level that is scientifically proven. And he's got the evidence to show it like what, what we have the technology now to, to read heart energy, to read the, the electromagnetic uh, field of emotions. This is, yeah. this is so wild to me how we, we intuitively know if you think of somebody who's depressed, are they running around with bursting with energy or do they have low energy? Well, we now have the interest and tools to be able to show and have a readout of, Oh, depression has a low energy output, a low frequency output. Somebody yeah. who's elated, excited, blissful, they're experiencing higher energy. Even just in my voice, when I'm communicating it, you can hear a greater intensity of energy. We now have the technology to show that. So when you go to these events and Joe starts talking about, um, you know, crystallizing thought and raising energy to meet that thought becoming, you know, the energy being the wave through which the thought and information travels on and that attracts that reality to you simply the way that you just started talking about think of a leader like steve jobs right he was able to do things that nobody could even have a real clear sense of what he was doing until he said this is what the future is going to look like and he developed the trust and the rapport same thing with you know martin luther king and all these other people the all these great leaders had a very clear tangible what a very clear tangible vision and then they had the the energy the passion uh, ultimately the energy to quote unquote enroll people into that vision um which is which is a beautiful thing um you had mentioned earlier in the call that you had you know, that this is multiple years worth of work to get to this point. Can you um, share with listeners a little bit about what that work was? What did you have to do? What were some of the big milestone lessons learned in that process? Yeah. And that kind of touches on one of the, one of the subjects we had, um, I wanted to make sure we kind of touched on is that, that rite of passage, that initiation process. And so a big portion of me for getting to those higher level emotions wasn't actively like embracing them. It was really allowing myself to go down into the emotions that I was resisting or feeling a big time for the longest time. I felt like if I went down and like really experienced my shame and guilt that I'd never make it back. Like I had suicidal thoughts in high school and I managed to get out of that by finding a codependent relationship, marrying my first wife. Um, so like this journey has been forever and a day. Right. Um, but what I mean by that is we, don't have a process necessarily in the world right now to where we, and this is what the shoulder meant, I intentionally had to take the surgery on. Like it was an elective. I know plenty of guys that haven't had to have that surgery or injured their shoulder and chose not to have it, you know, and they're, they got like 70%, whatever, but I intentionally went in to do this. And so my journey of releasing these old, the shame, the guilt, the fear, started about eight and a half years ago. I started, um, I was doing some coaching, but I backed into, um, 
a couple of books about like codependency. And as I started reading those, it kind of opened up a new avenue for me of like, oh, codependency, not just codependency. I also grew up in an alcoholic household. What does that maybe entail? And I realized through some research that I had trauma that happened, not not intentionally like abusive, but the, the thing in alcoholic households is you're taught not to trust what you're feeling, you're taught not to feel at all, and you're taught not to talk about it. And so what that leaves is um, very subversive neglect and very, very subversive abandonment issues. Um, but so I went to, I started going to 12 steps. Um, and what really triggered that is I realized I was so codependent that I was, go ahead. I was going to ask you, so I'm sorry, did you um, start drinking as well? Is that why you went to 12 steps or were you were doing it because? No. So one of the things they talk about is it's called para-alcoholism. You don't mm-hmm. actually grow up to become an alcoholic. I chose, I like, I socially drink. I do it every so often. I'm, I don't have a problem with alcohol at all. But you bring on the symptoms of an alcoholic. So mm-hmm. I would, I would rage. I would be very angry. I would, you know, if my kids didn't pick up the room, like it it was the end of my day. And it it basically was my view of the world. And we kind of talked about this is if the world wasn't doing what I thought it should, that's the reason why my life was the way it was and Mm -hmm. not how I wanted it. I was unhappy. I was angry. I was pissed. I was basically at that point, I was full of shame and guilt and just really didn't like myself. And what I realized is after having a conversation with one of my kids and they didn't pick up their, their toy or whatever, I started yelling at her and I realized I saw the typical signs because I had started doing, you know, research at that point. I had seen the physical signs of her taking on shame, like head down, shrinking, like literally turning into herself because I was imparting that onto her and I couldn't do that. The other big sign that came up for me was in my relationship. I was having the same, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was having the same argument with my now wife. Um, with her that I was having with my two previous long-term relationships. And it was Mm -hmm. like, okay, like Uh, the universe. What's, what's the common denominator? Right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I know she's not the same person as the other two, like my first wife. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I'm the common denominator. Let's, let's see what actually is going on here and start digging into that. And as I started digging into it, I, there was so much there, like it's been a continual journey for eight, nine years now. Um, I went into the 12 steps. I did the the full 12 steps. I did my 12 steps actively um, in adult children of alcoholics. And so that's where they, they help you understand, like, even though you're not drinking, you may have the symptoms of being an alcoholic and they show up in this way. Parallel alcoholism, it's all the same things. Like you're angry you and like out of the 12 on the list, I was like 11 of them at any given time. And so, wow. yeah. And so it was like, okay, I'll start walking through that door in, you know, going to my first meeting over by Forest Park, one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Like, are these and are these um, uh, actual alcoholics too, or are they all in the same boat so, where they're children yeah. of? So the adult children of alcoholics, it's all children of alcoholics. Um, okay. Some of them can be alcoholics, like some of them do turn into alcoholics. So, but it's, it's basically, hey, you grew up in an alcoholic household and whatever that ended up being. Now there's Al-Anon, which deals with dealing with an alcoholic. Adult children of alcoholics is actually dealing with the emotional trauma from growing up in an alcoholic household. Got it. So, yeah, it's a, it's a little different animal. And I, I, I found the right one. Luckily, like I didn't know which one to go to and went to that one. And it was all about emotions. It was all about feelings. It was all about talking and actually verbalizing what was going on with you as opposed to don't talk, don't feel, don't trust. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was it was very it was very scary because you're for me, it was burdening now that word burden again, it was unburdening all of that stuff that I had been carrying inside for so long that I felt was like the gross shame of me that nobody wants to see. And when you start talking to people and you, and as you and I both know, Peter, as we start helping other people and we start growing and evolving our own mindset and our own spirituality, we help those people. And that's what people getting into it may not really get is like people that have been through it and have gone through it effectively and are looking to like, for me, I hit that 12 step. I created another, another meeting. And then I got to the point that it was like, normally these, these processes also, there's normally like one thing that doesn't really sit perfectly congruent with me that I have to investigate. And the one for me was 
why do why as an alcoholic or in these 12 steps do I have to continually go back for the rest of my life? Mm-hmm. And I found that answer going to the Landmark Forum. I went to the Landmark Forum, which is a kind of a personal development weekend seminar. Um, and one of the guys there I knew from a meeting, I talked to him and he said, he's like, look, the reason people have to keep going back and we talked about it is they keep revalidating that story that they're an alcoholic or that they're an adult child of alcoholic every day. And by revalidating that story, you have to do the things that you know will help you either cope with it or survive it in a way that works for you. And if it works for them and they can do it for the rest of their lives, they're going to do it. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. That doesn't really work for me. So after 18 months of being in 12 step, I went through landmark forum and then I started finding individual coaches and worked with a couple different ones. Um, the big one, um, Nick Tilliot of California, great guy. He, uh, he was preaching, he was promoting, preaching, whatever you want to call it. He was about, this is a different way that you maybe haven't seen in your business that you are, you haven't, you haven't really dealt with. And it was so vague. I was like, oh, that piques my interest. What is that? I started investigating. It was all about the inner journey, all about emotions, all about spirituality, all about being a child of your higher power, God, the universe, quantum, whatever you want to call it. But working with it and being who you really are and finding that path as opposed to trying to fit yourself in, which you and I both know in the real estate industry, a lot of times and in the past, it's been fancy cars, big houses, speaking on stage, money, 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 right? Mm-hmm. And it, it's a trap for a lot of people. Because like at the end of the day now, like I've trained with a national company, I've, I've helped promote, like I've done the $10,000 weekend seminars with people. And I thought that's what I wanted. The big cars, the fancy, wanted to be that guy. And now it's like, my vision hasn't changed in four years. I want to have a cabin out in the woods where I have like animals, livestock, and people come and they search me out and they go, Hey, does Josh live here? Josh Weisler. And it's like, yeah, what do you need? I heard he can help me with his, my real estate business. Okay pick up a shovel. Let's start digging a hole. It's like, what? We're going to Mr. Miyagi this shit. Cause it's not, <laughs> not just yeah. about making the money, man. It's about exactly. like, what do you learn in the process? Like you have to give, and that's the thing for that transition is like looking back, I know I'm a different person, but is there a way to accelerate it? Is there a way to intentionally go in and start shifting and releasing, like I said, releasing those lower level shame and fear and guilt so that on the other end, you know, you're a different person. Like mm-hmm. I realized, and I'll share this with you, um, wired for impact, right? We can keep it or not. I know I slept on my, my couch for the last two years of my, my first marriage. Right. And it, I justified going outside of the marriage, um, because of that, when in reality, looking back and through doing this work in my inventory and making amends, I realized I just really didn't like myself. I didn't like that I wasn't courageous enough to have a conversation with my wife. I wasn't courageous enough to really honor what I really felt. I didn't value myself enough to really do that. And the thing that changed for me, I used to be afraid I would do that again. So the fear was still there. The shame was released a little bit, guilt, guilt a little bit, but fear and doubt was still there. And it wasn't until it came, you know, came up one day, I realized I was like, no, I love myself too much to do that to anybody else again. Mm. I love myself too much. Like I even had that conversation with my stepdaughter the other day. She was getting bullied at school and she came back and she was taking it out on me, preteen, you know, all that. Um, And she was lighting me up. And I said, I said, hey, like, have a seat. And in the past, I would have got I I felt myself get a little triggered. I would have got super mad and I would have overpowered her as to not feel little. Right. And this time it's like, look. I love our relationship too much for you to, to treat me this way. So there's obviously something going on. I know you don't want to treat me this way. What do we need to do to have a different kind of conversation, have a different type of, have a different type of relationship and love than what is currently being directed at me. Now that's mm-hmm. not to say I'm perfect and I'm, I don't of course every so often, but I own it now. It's like, Hey, I can't expect you to live your life powerfully and not be a victim to the world. If I'm just doing the same thing. Right. Dude, that's beautiful. That's, that's such a huge, uh, it takes humility. And, uh, like you said, um, to own it, um, cause, cause we're going to slip or we're going to have an imperfect day or whatever. The ownership of it to me is so key. And so, uh, so often not like people will do it. And then even in their heads, they might say like, ah, you know, I really snapped or whatever, but to actually physically go back and make amends. Um, I think a lot of people don't do that, in, especially in parenting. And it's so, it's so helpful. 
And it, believe me, definitely not easy. Definitely yeah. not like definitely not something that hasn't it, like it takes practice. It takes mm-hmm. an actual effort. And for me, that's where like I take it back to that that sitting in that doctor's office where I was feeling like all these different possibilities. It's the same thing you, you play out as like, OK, I snapped. Now I can either I can go apologize. I cannot apologize. I can kind of play it soft like we go through all those all those things again and we're you know atomic habits they talk about it like you're casting a vote for who you want to be and who you want to show up as doesn't mean it's going to be perfect every time but can i take the lesson from not showing up perfectly give myself some compassion and grace as to not hold the shame the fear the guilt and make a better choice next time towards that person i want to be and and understand that compassion 100%. One other thing, too, you talked about love of self and in your first marriage, how sleeping on the couch, you weren't uh, you weren't expressing courage to love yourself enough to, you know, to deal with the, the shame and the guilt and have difficult conversations, et cetera. Um, and then to me, the the byproduct is like, how loving is that of the spouse? Like the loving thing for you to do was to have those uncomfortable conversations, to bring those things out into the open and actually talk about it as opposed to what stuffing it under and letting, you know, it all, the whole thing go to shit. Like it's the other, it feels selfish to put your, the mask on first is what I'm saying. But people need to understand that, that it's one of the most loving things you can do for other people because you're not hiding anymore and they can actually see. And therefore, what are they doing with you? They are having a relationship with the truer you. If yep. you're hiding and not communicating the truth, the relationship that they have is with a false version of you. And you don't really ha- you don't have a deeper, more intimate relationship in that way. Yeah. Well, and that's why we 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 are starting to build a company around personal, we call it, we say we're personal development company that, you know, buys, sells and like helps people with real estate. Right. And what's come up for me in the past week, and especially, you know, since the shoulder is if I'm not providing that landscape and that environment, then you don't show up as powerfully as you can, because you're hedging your bets. You're saying, man, I can't show up with my true emotions because if I do, someone can use it against me. If I do some, so we, we start again, we start game planning on how things need to show up instead of just showing up. And Mm -hmm. so talking about the marriage, it works the same way in business. For me, that, that conversation wasn't done out of like having courage to like be okay with her being upset. No, it's what emotions was I afraid were going to come up with me when I maybe upset her, when I had this conversation and she had a response that I may not have liked. It's not a, it's not a courage to face the emotions that she has. It's what emotions is she going to bring up in me that Mm. I'm not ready to deal with. It's Mm -hmm. the same way in business. I've seen and coach multiple business owners and multiple investors where it's like, you're not wanting to let this guy go because you're afraid of being seen as the bad guy. But in reality, like you don't like what is going to come up if he gets upset at you. Right. So we have to work through that. Is it really a beneficial, a beneficial, is it really doing the best service for everybody by keeping that person on board? Or are we coping with an uncomfortable situation and not really honoring who we really are? And the more you can Mm -hmm. honor that real version of yourself, the more your life starts aligning, the more the universe says, okay, we can start handing them more because they're able to be themselves regardless of the situation. Right. So that, and that, that for me, and I told you, this is, I don't, I don't want to do I'm like, I'm starting to shift to where I don't want to do business with people. I can't be friends with outside of business. Like for me, that, that is, I'm realizing more and more as I go, go into this, I want to be the same person with everyone I deal with. And in order mm-hmm. to do that, I have to be the same person with everyone I deal with, mm-hmm. which means I can't, I don't get to put masks on. I don't have that privilege anymore of like navigating how I show up to places. I just get to be me and show up. And that mm-hmm. for me, great. Mm-hmm. That for me feels empowering. Mm-hmm. And for the people that are starting to show up in my life, that's what they've been looking for too. And it's, it's funny that until you start, allowing yourself. And I, I say, give yourself the permission to show up in ways that you haven't before. You're not going to experience that other people can show up that way. A great, that's the, go ahead. Uh, that's the magnetic quality that we were talking about earlier. 
Um, yeah. Simon Sinek talks about this a lot too in his talk about how great leaders inspire others to take actions. They start with why. They start with what is why. Why is purpose? It is, and ultimately, if you were to break it down in the quantum level, it's energy. It's the it's it's Steve Jobs saying, "Hey, we're here to think different," um, and then it just so happens that he sold computers. But like with you, it's starting with the purpose and the why and the energy of what you're doing, what your brand is representing. Yeah. Therefore attracts more like-minded individuals who say, yep, this resonates with me because there's an energy convergence, an energy coherence between yeah. brand and customer. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, as you said, with customer and, and client and everybody, it starts permeating everything. It's your culture, right? And so the big thing for me is like, one of the things that we've talked about is, and there's the famous quote out there, like, what if we train somebody up and they decide to leave? And it's like, well, what if we don't train them and they don't leave? But mm-hmm. the, the other thing, like, for me that feels so empowering is like, look, I get to help provide a, I get to help provide a platform for people and an environment for people where they really get to experience who they are. If at the end or at any given point in time, they decide this isn't what they want, then me as a true, like honoring the culture that we're developing. And, and I have to help, I have to help you embrace that. Like Mm -hmm. I have, and that's part for me, that transition period, it comes down to our inability to grieve is what, what has come up for me over the past couple of weeks with my shoulder. Hmm. And what I mean by that is any rite of passage, any initiation, it's a transition process, right? Yep. And so the only transition process we all experience in any given shape or form is birth and death, like on a, on a base level, right? Everybody's experience is different, but that's the one that everybody gets to, gets to take part in. And for me, what I've seen for me, I was very good at the anger phase and the denial phase of grieving. I never got past anger because what was behind anger that I wasn't really okay with up until recently was the sadness. Sadness for me scared the hell out of me because I felt like I was never going to be able to get out of it once I entered it. Mm -hmm. Well, as you start experiencing it and you starting allowing it to go through and leaving and as I'm experiencing it, it does leave your body eventually as you actually feel it. If you're putting it off, if you're like suppressing it, not honoring it by like avoiding something, coping mechanisms, it stays in your body and never leaves. And so you and ultimately to- it gets bigger. It expands. Yeah. Until it gets painful enough, the universe says, hey, you, you don't have a choice. You have to deal with this now one way, shape or form. Yep. And then you get on the other side of that sadness and the bargaining is acceptance. And you get to accept this new person, quantum, whatever you want to call it, state you're now in. But for most of us, we instead of embracing the anger and the denial and the sadness and going through the grieving process in a transition, because that's really what we are experiencing. I am no longer going to be Josh that did X. I'm going to be Josh now that is doing Y. Well, I have to let go of Josh that does X, that that identity. And I have to grieve it because if I don't, I'm going to still hold on to it until it gets so painful. I'm forced to let it go. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's kind of how I see this world playing out is we are all getting stuck in our coping mechanisms because we're all grieving stuff that we never learned how to grieve or we never we never went through a big barrier or transition to like make us stronger or have to embrace those things because on the other side of of adversity and we you know what I was mentioning to you the other day how you show up in adversity is how you show up for yourself mm-hmm. right well, how do you, when in thinking of <clears throat> geopolitical um, things go, that are going on right now, without getting, without getting too political, just keeping it, perhaps in the in the element of energy. Yeah. How do you approach what's going on in the world right now? I, I'll leave it at that. How do you? How are you approaching <laughs> with all the you know anxiety and craziness that's going on. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm looking at it through really the same lens of I am going, the only thing I can control is how I show up and the energy I have and the approach I have. So for me, there's a lot of stuff going on in the media, you know, and and it's really, really interesting. It's not that I'm unengaged, but I am of the mindset that I can see that both sides a lot of times, if you're talking political, both sides are arguing the same stance just on different things. Mm-hmm. And so it's an example of 
how am I showing up? How am I interpreting? It's really just a big and projection is a coping mechanism. It's a big projection onto the other side of the stuff that it's fear, it's doubt. It doesn't, it's not a matter of you're doing something specifically that is harming somebody. It's you're doing something specifically I'm afraid is going to harm somebody. Or you are specifically doing something that I don't agree with and that makes you a bad person. That's our mind making an energetic link to protect us. That's all it is, right? And we've had this conversation like I, me, my stance is I'm going to do what I feel is right for me and my family and I'm not going to hold it against somebody else if they don't have the same the same belief system, the same understanding. And then I have to gauge whether or not it is going to be safe to like engage in those interactions and be in those arenas. And that's okay if it's not and it's okay if you are. But for me to start like Byron Katie says, if I'm trying to tell you how to live your life, then I'm not spending enough time in mind trying to live my life. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how I approach it. And that has allowed me, it's, you know, I have political conversations with people, but at the end of the day, it's, I'm one of the gifts I feel like I've been given because of the journey I've gone through is, oh, I can see where, you, you know, there's some pain that happened in the past that you necessarily are responding from in this way. Um, and I feel for you. Like I, I have, I have compassion and grace, um, mm-hmm. for a lot. It doesn't like, and now it's to the point where, like I said the other day, if I, you know, it's rare that I get triggered because I've understood that, like, I was doing that. I was intentionally trying to provoke people because I was hurting and I wanted to see them hurt as well. Like, I get that process. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know if that answers your question kind of energetically. It's allowed me to kind of observe and not get entangled is the word I like to use. because. Yep. Uh, that's the thing too, is I've built that understanding enough in my body that if it starts getting heated from the other person, then it's like, okay, Hey, we need to kind of, we need to adjust what's going on. You're getting heated. Like that first off, isn't the intention. And it's obviously not about whatever we're talking about. It's always a wound that happened in the past that you're touching. And the other thing is if it gets heated for me, like it did the other day in the middle of everybody, I go, Ooh, Okay, I'm getting triggered. I don't know what it is. And I don't have to address it right now because it has nothing to do with you guys. So I can interact with you guys like I normally do. And I'll do some investigation and and go into that, you know, when I have time. And Mm -hmm. I've been doing that for the past, you know, 24, 48 hours. So Mm -hmm. it's a matter of eh, that's the word self-regulation comes up Um, Mm -hmm. as well as understanding, like surrounding yourself with people that can have different views as you as long as they have the same understanding for me and the value system of like radical ownership in what comes up for you internally, emotion wise is your work. Yeah. Like that for me is one of the more important things than necessarily which way you lean politically, which way, hundred percent, which way Dude, your approach is like hundred percent. Yeah. If you, if you can own your emotions and what I mean by own your emotions is like, Hey, you get triggered and you're angry. You know, that has nothing to do with me. Right. And if I get angry, I know it has nothing to do with you. It may be the point of focus right now, but I'm not going to hold that against you. We're going to have a conversation that's different, maybe at a different time. But if we own that part of ourselves, we can get through any conversation mm-hmm. without a doubt. It's, a, it's, go ahead. it's emotional maturity, and it's something that a lot of people don't have. And I'll, I'll, I'll be talking with people that I know actually content-wise align with my personal viewpoints of a particular situation and it's it's less connected than it is talking with somebody who we disagree but we have more of that emotional maturity to be able to knock the ball back and forth and not hold judgment and yeah. not uh hold any negative energy towards that other person whoever like and really genuine curiosity to go all right how did you get there how did you arrive at that because i yeah. i have a belief that there is a, a spiritual, that there is a spiritual truth that supersedes all of our human truth. So when I think about truth and discovering truth, um, I'll find things that seem totally real to me and a hundred percent will overlap. You know, I'll I'll try it on and I'll look at the world through it. uh, Like it's a lens and I'll go that, that seems true. That's a hundred percent true. Is it not? But what I've learned, what I've learned about truth is that the spiritual truth is always way bigger and that my perception of it that I might have, I might be totally in alignment with spiritual truth, but it, it often is only just a slice. And sometimes 
we'll take that slice and we'll apply it universally. And that's where things get messy because it doesn't always universally apply to me. One of the, what a, a, just a very simple, tangible example for a lot of us is the flag. Some people stand for it. Some people don't. Well, what's true. And if you talk to the people who stand for it, it's like, you know, my father fought my uncle, this, that, whatever. There's deep, 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 very, yeah. Uh, uh, um, value-driven reasons why the flag represents an ideal, not in practice, but in the ideal. Well, in practice, that same flag has also been deeply, deeply uh, uh, destructive for some people. Would you stand for that? Ultimately, in my humble opinion, I think that if we can agree to what the ideal is, hey, let's all stand, stand for or stand against what it's for, but also against what it's against, but let's all stand and let's all go in the same direction towards these ideals and also standing against what, uh, what perverse things come out of people who say that they are representing these ideals, but actually represent destruction and evil, et cetera. That's my humble opinion. And that's, that's when, for me, when you start getting into talking about like the energy around stuff, you start for, for me, when I was in shame and guilt and fear, I didn't understand how they manipulated other people. I understood how I used them as a coping mechanism to get what I want, but mm-hmm. I didn't understand how people were using it against me. And as I started letting those go, you start seeing those things come a mile right. away. Talking with, you know, you hear politicians talking. It's not the actual words. It's not the actual, like, how they're saying things. It's the energy they have around it. You can, and you can start telling, like, Ooh, something doesn't sit right. Like it intrinsically starts shifting things for you as opposed to when you're having a conversation with somebody that is, is more like we talk about of like love and compassion. And I'm genuinely curious as to how you, you're such an interesting guy. How did you come to this understanding that I don't necessarily agree with, but I want to understand you to a greater degree. That's love and compassion and grace as opposed to like you talked about yeah, well, yeah, like I'm right, you're wrong. That's super aggressive. But it's also like, hey, I'm putting this ideal across everything in my life. That's when we start talking about like dogma and you're not putting it through your actual experience to talk about what you've experienced and how you've shown up. That's mm-hmm. authenticity. That's being real as opposed to like 30, you know, 10 second snippets about, you know, what the flag means it, to hit more people. We... Yeah, we can go down this rabbit hole forever, right? <laughs> but, and that's the thing, it's, it's, I feel, and we kind of talked about this the other day, it doesn't matter whether the politicians are doing something or like the Illuminati and there's some secrets organizations are doing something, like the world is starting to shift and we can talk climate change or whatever, but it is, it is increasing like out, like temperature wise. And when the body isn't healthy, it, we're going through it's fever up. Yeah, it heats yeah. up. It starts yeah. burning out the the infection or the virus. Well, we're going through some fever dreams right now. So it, it doesn't like at some point, and we talked about this, you either intentionally start going through those rites of passage yourself to start leveling up your consciousness or the universe starts bringing things into play to start having you do it yourself. And so there's a lot of people that are saying, hey, this is happening. We're not paying enough attention to it. And they have some merit. And then some of those same people are saying, hey, you're doing it wrong, which, as we talked about, isn't necessarily the the way to bring unity. It, it, it does create division as opposed to like, hey, let's find something that works for everybody. Let's find mm-hmm. something because but in order to do that, you have to for me, you have to. And this may be an understanding that may shift as well. There has to be some spiritual ownership for me is what I, I guess I call it. Emotional maturity is what you call responsibility. It. Yeah, yeah. And that that comes through life experience of owning the life experiences and, and having full ownership saying, hey, I created all this like it is my junk to deal with. It may not have I may not have done it when I was young. And, and we talked about this in one of the groups of, of victimhood. You may have been a victim at one point, but once it is over. It is now, it's not your fault, but it is your responsibility on how you live from there on out. Mm, that's, that's a big one. And that's, and that's something that for me took a long time to wrap my head yeah. around. Yeah. 
it can be it can be gross like <laughs> especially looking you have to take inventory of like oh man like i didn't a big one i had with my wife was i was talking to her going through the landmark advance course was i didn't realize how much impact i actually had on the world until i got to that point and then i had to take inventory of how much damage i was doing unintentionally to everybody mm-hmm. as opposed mm-hmm. to deciding oh i can actually make an impact in a good way if i put some thought and intention and emotion into this heading in a positive uplifting direction mm. like you wield chaos if you're not owning your emotions is basically what what you're dealing with yeah that's fascinating. I, I hate to do this, but we gotta we gotta wrap it up. We're running out of time. Um, I feel like like we, before we started recording, we were like, oh, dude, we could probably chat for three hours nonstop, no problem. Um, but Josh, dude, thank you so much for. I, I love how we started the call with like, yeah, I'm a real estate investor. Like, dude, you're so much more than a real estate investor. Um, which, by the way, it's so nice to see this energy be brought into real estate investing because there's so many charlatans and so many people pray on other people's you know dreams and not really bringing that deeper authentic like hey if you're going to really be serious about this let you got to ha- you, you got to you know lift up there's the hood a, and, and do a little yeah, inner work there's there's a, there's a phrase out there that that we kind of coined it's investment trauma it's people making investments thinking bill <laughs> they're yep. going to take this weekend seminar and they're going to be like gung ho going from like part time work to you know six figures it does happen but it requires tremendous internal growth yeah. is what it requires. And that's Yay, what thank you. you're bringing to the table. So Investment trauma. Yeah. If somebody would like to avoid investment trauma and or also um, just reach out to you, possibly for coaching or something else, where might be the best place they can find you? Oh, appreciate that. Yeah. So if you're looking to, you know, get an offer on a house or even start, we are we are launching a mentee program. Um, you can go to Joshua Weisler, J-O-S-H-U-A-W-I-E-S-L-E-R.com. That'll take you to my page. You can message me through there. Um, you can find me on Facebook um, or, you know, I'm sure via Peter, we can we can connect. So, yeah, 100%. <laughs> but yeah, Josh, dude enlightening as always thank you for sharing your wisdom and your passion i i so appreciate it i appreciate you too brother it was great All talking right, well uh oh i guess i'll i'll see you here shortly so <laughs> in a couple exactly, of days. yeah barbecue yes sir there you go all right take care right. my friend have a good one all right bye bye